Getting Works podcast. Mike's getting tipsy. He drink a lot of beer and he drink a lot of whiskey. When he's not doing that, probably watching wrestling. Talking about the beers and it's so interesting. Mike's online, you can give him a follow. End of the day, he be cleaning out the tacos. No better podcast if you ask me. Getting Works, you can leave off the last G. Driving in your car, getting worked. Slacking at your job, getting worked. At the DMV, getting worked. In the VIP, getting worked. Out, getting worked. Getting worked. Get, getting worked. 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 People of the internet, getting worked is back. I'm Mike. This is getting worked. Hello. So this week, it's been a hell of a week, just like every week. First off, I'm Mike. Once again, this is getting worked. Thank you all for tuning in wherever you get your podcasts. If this is your first time listening, make sure you subscribe wherever you pick up your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or you go to gettingwork.com and listen every single week. Thank you all. This week, I want to talk a little bit about wrestling. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about stupid fucking rich people. And then we're going to make a drink to celebrate stupid fucking rich people. But I always like to just recap kind of what's been going on. I, I just came back from a vacation Went with the wife and her family to Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Took my daughter. We like to go there a lot. Uh, it's become my wife and I's closest getaway. It's about a four and a half hour drive from where we're at. We usually stay in one of the same hotels every time we go. Uh, but when we go with her family, we, we get a cabin. So had a great time. Was there for about four days got to do some 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 nature went to a creek a uh, bunch of drinking beer my kid loves the woods and the mountain area so she had a blast uh but it was fun good little family vacation to get summer kicked off right as i sit here and record this it is the 27th of june so we're right around the corner from the 4th of july right around the corner from blowing shit up drinking beer barbecuing motherfuckers one of my favorite fucking things so Definitely gonna be uh, some 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 pork, some some dead pig on the smoker next week. Super pumped for that. Uh, and then there's some fucking wrestling. I, I just watched, and a lot of people just watched uh, Forbidden Door 2023. Uh, Forbidden Door 2023 was, in my opinion, a better show than most. I paid for it. I I bought the pay per view. I bought it through BR Live. That's that's a whole thing. I fucking hate BR Live. I hate that AEW is so difficult to watch because it's only on one streaming app, BR Live in America. If you live outside the U.S., you can get it on a ton of different things. Uh, but here, we can only get it on BR Live, which... Uh, if you have BR Live, if you use BR Live, you're probably familiar with some of the problems from BR Live. The sound is always off. Uh, the past three pay-per-views I've bought, the sound is off on the app. Like if I use the app built into my television uh, or the app built into Roku, the sound's off. Uh, but what we did is watched it on my wife's iPad and then just streamed that directly to our TV. So we ordered it through the BR Live service on the app, which didn't seem to have any problems, and put that straight on my television. Uh, this show was from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It took place June 25th, 2023, this past Sunday. Uh, this actually was the first non-WWE pay-per-view event, non-WWE wrestling pay-per-view event held in that arena since... World Championship Wrestling's Mayhem uh, 
on November 21st, 1999. Mayhem, if I remember correctly, was one of the final... That was one of the latter pay-per-views they added in the WCW period. Um, But yeah, this was an interesting show. There was a lot of matches. I think altogether there were like 16 fucking matches on this card. Uh, This was the first Forbidden Door we had bought. Uh, I've watched... The last one, tangentially. I watched clips on YouTube, clips on Twitter. I didn't buy the pay-per-view. I went and did something else that day. Uh, the concept of it is, is, is a great starting point. We're going to take the best stars of All Elite Wrestling, the best stars of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we're going to match them up in a couple dream matches. Uh, they accomplished that with a few... But there are certain things that really were just kind of thrown together. And it really felt that way. Uh, let's see. So let's, let's, let's find what the card was. So first match. So 14 matches all together. The first match was Tom Lawler with Royce Isaacs defeating Serpentico, uh, who was accompanied with Luther by pinfall. Uh, this was a thrown together match when they announced that Adam Cole who was slated to fight Tom Lawler on like last dynamite like on Wednesday they announced the match by Sunday morning they had announced that Tom Lawler wasn't having the match against Adam Cole because Adam Cole wasn't cleared it's a whole thing I love me some Adam Cole but he's kind of in that situation for me that Jeff Hardy is in like something's up Go take care of yourself. I'm cool if I don't ever see you wrestle, if I know that you're at home and you're healthy. Uh, So they replaced that match with Tom Lawler, uh, who defeated Serpentico. Uh, I don't fucking care. I think the idea that... Good for Tom Lawler, good for him getting a paycheck, former MMA guy, uh, former former still MLW guy, I don't know. He must be part of New Japan to be part of the show. Uh, he was kind of shoehorned in at the last minute against Adam Cole. Uh, so the pivot to this match, I didn't even see this. This was either the very first thing on the pre-show that I wasn't paying attention to, or they didn't air this match. But the first match, Tom Lawler versus Serpentico, didn't see it, don't fucking care. Uh, second match we had was the Mogul Embassy of Swerve Strickland, Toa Leona, Brian Cage, and Bishop Khan. Uh, they were accompanied by Prince Nana. They defeated Chaos of uh, Rocky Romero, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta with El Desperado. Uh, so, this is kind of falling into that thrown together category. Uh, you got factions, kind of. You got mogul embassies. And then you have Chaos with an extra person. Uh, yes, most wrestling fans know that. Rocky Romero, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta are all in chaos, while at the same time, Chuck, 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 Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta are uh, the best friends. Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta are also a tag team known as Rapongi Vice. So there's that thing as well. But I think chaos, the best friends... That whole side of this is a great example of too much. Too fucking much. I lo- I'll go on, on record. I love mogul embassies. Swerve Strickland is great. Bishop Khan and Toa Leona deserve more. Those dudes should be what WWE couldn't make the authors of pain. Uh, Toa Leona and Bishop Khan look amazing. They wrestle pretty well. And you could really repackage them or put them in whatever kind of uh, wrapper I think you wanted to. W-R-A-P-P-E-R, wrapper. And by that I mean they've got this thing where right now they're kind of the background for mogul embassies. I feel like you could have told the story of them being Prince Nana's personal like tag team. Because Swerve was already here. Brian Cage was kind of already here. Which if they've done that, I don't fucking know. Uh, But I feel like you really could either build those guys up as Nana's, Prince Nana's personal, like, muscle, 
like regardless of the fact that he's got the deal with Sturz, with Swerve and Brian Cage, uh, maybe these guys are like the loyalists to him. Uh, either way, they deserve more. But I like those guys. I think that was a good use of Mogul Embassy. I really think and don't give a fuck about the chaos side of that. Rocky Romero, Chuck Taylor, Trent Barretta. I love fucking Rocky Romero. Trent Barretta's great. Chuck Taylor's okay. Like, I just didn't care about this match. Uh, third match. Athena defeated Billy Starks by pinfall. Uh, Louisville's own Billy Starks, 18-year-old. Billy Starks, just graduated high school. Valedictorian, Billy Starks. Uh, great fucking story. Great for her. More power to her. Shoot the kid to the moon. Uh, it was the first round of the women's side of the Owen Hart Cup tournament. <sighs> Great match. AEW has made me not give a fuck about tournaments. Uh, battle Royals. Or anything where you're wrestling to earn a spot or to earn something. Uh they have two tournaments going on at the same time right now, the men's and the women's Owen, which is fine. But there's a term that AEW uses, eliminator, that has ruined all entry matches for me. Any kind of match that's about you got to beat Johnny Come Fuck Fuck to get a title shot or to get in a match or to get in a tournament or to advance in a tournament, I just don't give a fuck anymore. They've done that. They, they've made me realize like that tool the idea of not just winning for the w but winning to get towards a thing or to get into a thing is really overplayed uh wwe has two money in the banks going on actually right now aew's got two owen hart tournaments going on right fucking now uh they're gonna bring that that, that brass ring thing probably later on this year uh i just i just don't dig it it's just not for me. Uh, more power to both performers, Athena and Billy Starks, but th the tournament concept, especially in AEW, is just dead to me. Uh, next, we had El Fantasmo, El Fantasmo, ELP, uh, defeating Stu Grayson by pinfall. From what I saw, there was like an interesting story kind of playing in the background. Stu Grayson seems to have just left the Dark Order and has joined... I don't know what his group is called. It's it's Vincent and Dutch. Let me look up. What is his group called? Vincent. Rach the Righteous. Okay, so the Righteous. Wasn't that what they were in Impact? Okay. But either way, he's joined the Righteous with Vincent and Dutch interesting story uh from what they said on the announcer's booth el Fantasmo has recently left the bullet club going through things on his own now as a babyface, and that's kind of his story is, is 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 he's pissed off a lot of people over the past couple of years as a member of the bullet club so now he's a heel or a babyface and kind of paying for all those past sins he seemed to really struggle through the match and earned it earned the win but there was definitely that road to redemption kind of mentality. Stu Grayson shut a lot of his stuff down. Uh, Stu Grayson's whole thing is born and bred for combat. Uh, I'm not against Stu Grayson. It's, it is kind of weird calling some savage dude with face paint Stu. That's interesting. Um, but altogether, that was a good singles match. Uh, that was followed by Los Ingan... Los Ingan... Los Ingobernables de Japón of Shingo Tagaki, Bushi, and Hiromu Tanahashi, one of my wife's favorite wrestlers because of the stuffed cat Daryl. Uh, they defeated United Empire, which is Jeff Cobb, Kyle Fletcher, and TJP. Uh, this match was great. I, I actually am liking the United Empire, and in particular, the Aussie Open guys, more and more every time I see him. Uh, when I first saw Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and the other guy, I thought it was goofy. The, the, the capes to the ring looked a little weird. The music took a minute to grow on me. Uh, but seeing this combination of United Empire, Jeff Cobb, Kyle Fletcher, and TJP, 
it clicked for me. I had heard this, the, what, what it was, you know, the stars from different countries all over the world representing their nations coming together in a united empire. Okay, I'm not stupid. That makes fucking sense. But I didn't give a shit. But watching them come to the ring, watching them work together, uh, even though they were defeated, just the attitude of them was great. I fucking thought that, that this match really started kicking off the wrestling vibe for me. This is the last show, the pre-show, before we get into the main card. Uh, but this is when it really started feeling like, okay, it's it's wrestling night. I'm watching a wrestling show. Uh, the Lawler-Serpentico match, like I said, I didn't see it. Embassy versus Chaos was cool. I thought there were better uses. Athena versus Billy Starks, great match, great workers. Wasn't into it. Not their fault. My fault. Well, not not my fault. I, tournaments and just, I, I wasn't invested. Uh, El Phantasmo versus Stu Grayson, like a two out of one. Two out of one? Like a two out of two out of ten. It was what it needed to be, but I, I wish I would have had the story. I feel like if I would have been invested in the story, and that's not necessarily on El Phantasmo or Stu Grayson, I guess. Uh, I swear, people of the internet, I'm, I'm like the most polite wrestling reviewer because everything comes back to like, well, it's not really their fault. I can kind of take some of the blame for that. But, um... It just wasn't for me. Didn't do it for me. But uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón versus United Empire really picked up the pace, kicked up the energy, and made me feel like I was watching a fucking wrestling show. So that's going to bring us into the main card. Uh, crack a little beer ski here. Drinking Truth. No, not Truth. This is Rheingeist's Vision, their West Coast IPA. Mm. Cheers, motherfuckers. So, we've got the main card now. We have MJF defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, this is a singles match for the AEW World Heavyweight Champ World Championship. I, 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 what I'm looking at doesn't have World Heavyweight. It just says AEW World Championship, so... I'm going to omit the word heavyweight for the time being. Uh, this match was preceded by the idea that MJF was avoiding it. He wasn't going to wrestle Tanahashi. New Japan's an indie fed. I'm not going to come do blah, 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 blah. Like, avoiding the match. Chicken shit heel. Great match. Um, don't burn MJF out, Tony Khan. You're, you're borderlining on too much MJF. Too much of that character, that performance, that attitude. Uh, he's great at it. He does it amazingly. So don't put him in situations where he's doing it for no reason. Yeah, you had maybe you wanted to have the world title on this show. Great. Maybe Tanahashi needed a match. Great. Maybe MJF needed a match. Great. This was one of my least favorite uses of MJF since he's had the world title. That doesn't mean it was a bad match. That doesn't even mean it was a bad MJF match or a bad MJF performance or like even terrible. I'm not saying anything bad about this. I'm saying in the ways that you've used MJF, this is my least I would even say least favorite. Like, I get the least excited about this, and I was the least impressed by the result. So we move on to CM Punk versus Satoshi Kojima. First off, decent match. Second off, man, Punk got booed. They, in Toronto, were doing that Bizarro World Toronto thing. Uh, wrestling fans, I'm sure most of you listening to this, the, the, the deep wrestling fans, those of us that have a sickness and pay way too much attention to it, might be aware of Toronto being the alternate reality, the place that always booed Cena when he was a babyface, that uh, cheered for Brett when he was a heel in, w, or in WWF. So... I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that M that CM Punk was booed in Toronto. 
I'm not surprised that CM Punk was also booed at Forbidden Door. If we believe everything we hear and that we read about the division in AEW between the CM Punk camp and the Elite camp, Forbidden Door feels like an Elite show, not a CM Punk show. This was more... I mean, let's look at the stars on this show. You had Orange Cassidy, you know, Zack Sabre, Shibata, Garcia, Sonata, Jungle Boy, The Elite. You had all these Osprey, Omega, Danielson. Like, this was an elite. Not this show was elite. Like, the elite, the the elite, that group, that, 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 that side of things. This was very much their territory, their show. This was their type of stuff. So, I'm not surprised that CM Punk got booed in Toronto on Forbidden Door 2023. The match with Kojima was a match with Kojima. Uh, It was cool seeing Punk do a little bit of the heel thing. Not even heel things, but just kind of leaning into, I'm getting booed. Let me be a little bit obnoxious. He was delivering a series of uh, forearms to Kojima. And doing that super annoying every time he hit him, Kojima! Kojima! And just being obnoxious, and it was great. So, good match. Uh, match number eight, Orange Cassidy defeated Zack Sabre Jr., Katsuyori Shibata, and Daniel Garcia by a pinfall for the to retain the AEW International Championship. Uh, didn't watch, don't care. Hate me on the internet if you want. Don't give a fuck. Can't get into this match. Can't get into Orange Cassidy. And I'm not even saying I can't get into Orange Cassidy because he's terrible and he's a bad wrestler. No, I'm not saying... I'm not even saying he's a bad wrestler. It's just not for me. It's not my thing. I don't want that. I don't want... that. That's not the dude I'm going to cheer for. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. I don't, I don't think I've ever understood Zack Sabre Jr. Shibata? Great. Good. I, I dig me some Shibata. Uh, that's that's the one that I was like a little bit... That Him and Daniel Garcia was the, the side of this that I was a little like, man, I like that. But I wasn't going to watch Orange Cassidy, Zack Sabre, Shibata, and Garcia all together. Uh, this for me was uh, my... I don't want to call it bathroom match, but this was just my, my talking to my wife, doing other things match. The, then we have the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, Sonata versus Jungle Jack Perry. Uh, Sonata was accompanied by Dookie, D-O-U-K-I. So he was accompanied by Dookie, and Jack Perry was accompanied by Hook. Uh, Sonata, of course, retained the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, he made some comments before this match talking about i don't know who jack perry is i i don't understand why he's getting a title shot and pointed out that the iwgp title is far bigger than the aew world championship first off homie's right dude is a hundred percent right and also good for him uh sonata's had a long road uh, through his, his start in New Japan, going into Los Ingobernables, or yeah, Los Ing, Ing Los Ingobernables. I'm never gonna say that fucking right. Los Ingos versus Los Ingo, or when he was part of Los Ingos. Uh, from what I understand, he left New Japan and came back. He's had a long storied history with the company, so that dude deserves the title. And honestly, that dude deserved to beat dog shit out of Jack Perry. Um, Afterwards, Jack Perry turned on Hook. I'm going to continue to call him Jack Perry. I think they need to drop the Jungle Boy thing. Um, It's played out. So that takes us to the 10-man tag match, the Elite, Hangman Adam Page, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Eddie Kingston, and Tomohiro Ishii. They defeated the Blackpool Combat Club of John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, Claudio Castagnoli, accompanied by Kanosuke Takeshita and Shoto Umino, the shooter. Uh, so, 
I liked this match because it, it, it took a moment to focus on Eddie and Moxley's relationship. Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Uh, their history, their friends, they're really great friends. But Kingston hates Claudio. So there was that back and forth a little bit. At one point, Kingston took a double super kick from the Young Bucks to protect Moxley, uh, argue with Moxley and the Bucks after a bunch. There was a lot of drama in that scenario. Uh, I like that. Uh, I'm a Hangman Page guy. What can I say? I like Hangman Page. I hate that he is kind of in the center of the whole CM Punk elite drama, that whole debacle. I hate that he's in that. I hate that he's part of that. I hate that that's like going to be tied to his career. So I really like Hangman Page. But this match was okay. It, it could have been a lot more of a mess. I think they had Tomohiro Ishii get the pin on Wheeler Yuta, which for me was an interesting choice. I think you really you could have done something with Kingston maybe pinning a member of Blackpool, maybe even like Hangman give him a win. Uh, I just think having Ishii get the pin was interesting. Um, and that's about what I can say of that, about that match. We had Tony Storm uh, with Ruby Soho and Soraya, the outcasts, defeating Willow Nightingale by pinfall uh, for the AEW Women's World Championship. Really good match. Uh, I think it benefited a lot from that big match energy that was kind of going on at the time. You had the, the IWGP World Match, the 10-man tag, and then you had this, and people knew you still had Osprey and Omega and Danielson and da-da-da-da. So this match benefited from the hype of where it was at in the card, but also this was a great match. Uh, Tony Storm is fantastic. Uh, Willow Nightingale, I think, has the possibility of being, really being the next big babyface for them. Uh, they've got, she has the uh, New Japan Strong Women's title, so that's an interesting uh, piece. I would take that off of her, but she has it because of um, Sasha Banks getting hurt. But I would take that off of her as soon as I could. I, I think you have her as a babyface chasing titles in AEW. Uh, honestly, if if the TNT title was not held by a babyface, Chris Statlander, I think that'd be a great spot for her. She's smiley. She's bubbly. She's got a great personality. She's like, looks good on television. I think Willow Nightingale is, is a character you could put on TV and people will respond in a positive way. It, it, it's, it's, happy and cheery enough without coming across disingenuous. It's, it's not Nikki ASH when she was pretending to, when Nikki cross was pretending to be a fucking superhero. Uh, so altogether, I like that match. And then people of the internet, I can't fucking believe it. Will Ospreay with Don Callis versus Kenny Omega. For the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. I fucking loved this match. I'm not the biggest Kenny Omega guy. Uh, I've never been a big Osprey guy. Never. I kind of put him in the same boat as as um, Zack Sabre Jr. In my head. Uh, I'm sure they're fucking great. It's just I don't get it. It hasn't clicked for me yet. I think this is the match that Osprey clicked for me. Uh, great timing, great pacing. Uh, Osprey really hits people like he fucking hates them. That's what's great about Will Osprey. What I really looked at and gravitated towards watching this match. Will Osprey really hits people like he fucking hates their guts, and. He looks at people and has an attitude like he fucking, he would not piss on you to put you out if you were on fire. He just, 
that I love his ability to be a smarmy little prick. Not little. I mean, he's actually a big dude. Looks like a big dude. But to be a smarmy prick who can get the job done. Um, the Don Callis element was interesting. He got ejected at a certain point and then just came back and nothing happened. Uh, there's a lot of blood. I think I think Will got a little happy, got a little happy there. Um, he wanted he wanted to bleed, and boy did he ever bleed. Uh, Omega was busted open at a certain point, but I, I I promise there was more of Osprey's blood on Omega than Omega's blood at a certain point. He stood up at some point in that match, and his entire midsection was covered in Osprey's blood. And Osprey had that deep, like, bright red, like, two Tylenols in blood. Like, homie was going for it. Um, They're back and forth. The, The level of trust that they had for each other was fantastic. You could tell that those dudes agreed that they don't give a fuck. Let's, let's, let's put on the match of the night. And honestly, it was the match of the night. Uh, I will probably go back and watch this match again. Uh, and this is once again, I'm not an Osprey guy. I'm, I, I wasn't an Osprey guy and I've never been a big Kenny Omega guy. I don't hate Kenny Omega, but like he's never been my top tier choice, but this was fantastic. Um, yeah, this match was absolutely fucking fantastic. So that takes us to uh, the six-man tag. So we've had a 10-man tag. Hold on. So we've had a singles match, an eight-man tag, a singles match, a singles match, a six-man tag, a singles match, a singles match, a four-way match, a singles match, a 10-man tag, a singles match, a singles match, a six-man tag, a singles match. Was there one, like, one just tag? No. There was not one like actual tag match, just two dudes versus two dudes or two women versus two women. Every tag match is multiples of three. No. Well, every every tag match is a multi a multi tag tag match. It's always like eight, ten, six uh, or four way. I feel like there's a lot of things you could have done and you could have really had a tag a good like a legitimate tag match. Um, I wonder what's up with the other dude from Aussie open. If him and Kyle Fletcher couldn't have done something, but I digress. We, we got to the six man tag. Now we are at sting Darby Allen. And I guess the, the, the ghost of Tetsuya Naito. I, I don't know what the fuck happened to Tetsuya Naito. I, I missed the part where he dresses, like Mordecai from like 2005, but he comes out in a suit with a cape. And I, I missed that whole thing. He eventually switches to like his classic, the t-shirt and the shorts. Um, but I don't, I, I, I missed what happened. I missed why he dresses like that now. Uh, but it was staying Darby Allen and Naito. Uh, they defeated Lay Suzuki gods, uh, Chris, I'll market it if I fucking can, Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki. Um, this time last year, or two years ago, I went to the show in Cincinnati that Minoru Suzuki was at. Uh, if you remember, there was an AEW, a couple of shows where Minoru was there. And there was, I don't want to call it a controversy because it's not a controversy in the world of wrestling or in the real world in general, but his song was cut short. A big part of his entrance is that it's the song is Kaze Ninare, uh, Be Like the Wind. Uh, and the song builds and builds and builds. At a certain point, the whole crowd yells, Kaze Ninare, and they sing along. And that's what pro wrestling is now, ladies and gentlemen, is sing-alongs and shirtless dudes. So it was cut off, and, and and I was a big Minoru Suzuki fan at the time. So and, and the point of the story isn't that it was cut off, but I was really into Minoru Suzuki, and I was really stoked that he was there. But watching him in this match, 
if you don't know who Minoru Suzuki is, you're not going to get it. It's not going to make sense to you. It's a really old dude with a weird haircut and a towel on his head. So, while I love Minoru Suzuki still being a thing, still getting play in today's world, I can't get into Sting, Darby Allen, and Naito versus Jericho, Sammy, and Minoru. Uh, this match was a great in-between. Will Ospreay and Omega and Danielson Okada, uh, it did its job. You know, I, th- I don't think anybody anticipated this match stealing the thunder from anything or what have you. But uh, it was okay. It was, it was, it was okay. It served, it served its purpose. And then we have our main event, Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada. Uh, this was a singles match touted as a quote-unquote dream match. I thought this match was cool. Um, Brian Danielson's entrance coming out to the final countdown was a cool choice. Tony Khan will fucking pay for anything. Uh, he'll pay for a song if his star wants a song. That's really cool. But I also saw that that the use of Europe's The Final Countdown for one event was as much as... I, the quote I saw was a wrestler's contract. I don't know if it's the kind of flex Tony Khan thinks it is to point out that, hey, instead of signing a talent, I bought a, rights to a song for one night. I'm sure there's dudes there that would like to get work on the show or, you know, feel like, oh, man, I wish my buddy could come in. I could have a match with him. It'd be great. we get over on TV. But there's just something that doesn't sit right with me knowing that that was viewed as a flex. He he thought, Tony Khan, the owner of the company, thought it's a good thing that I paid as much for a song as I pay for like a wrestler's contract. That being said, it was a great choice. I, I think Brian Danielson coming out to the final countdown was meaningful. This match was good, but I wanted more. Um, Brian Danielson submitted Kazuchika Okada with a variation of the LaBelle lock. Apparently he had for real broken his arm uh, and then wrestled for 10 more minutes after he, he had broken his arm. So Brian Danielson finished the match with a broken arm, tapped out Kazuchika Okada. And even then, I felt that this and Osprey Omega should have been switched. This is 100% a dream match. And maybe this is the first in the series. It's going to not be a long, or it's going to be a while before we see the part two, because Brian Danielson has a very real broken arm. Uh, that bitch is snapped. But I, I just don't know if that was the best version of that match we could have had. It was great. It was awesome. Uh, but honestly, I think Osprey Omega was better. It, it hit harder. It got me into it. I actually was really impressed with some of the stuff they did. I love Okada. Brian Danielson's amazing. Okada is one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, I, I, I always love that one of my favorite flexes is my framed Okada dollar on my wall. But I felt like this could have been more. So all in all... I'd say I'll take any wrestling over no wrestling. This was a great version of wrestling. It had a lot of variety. Um, And honestly, even aside from a few of the matches, this was the most accessible version of Forbidden Door I think they could have put together. Some of it, like, was whatever like Sonata with Dookie versus Jungle Boy was a little thrown together. Um, some of the matches on the pre-show didn't feel like they were given the right attitude or were just okay. But this was by far, I think, the most accessible version of Forbidden Door they could have put together. Um, yeah, this is a show for diehard wrestling fans, but I think it also needs to appeal 
to your everyday wrestling fan. So I think they did a great job of taking care of both. Uh, but all in all, I think this is a great fucking show. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you. What more are you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. While the devoting full time, you floating under the sea. <laughs> Down here all the fish is happy As off through the waves they roll The fish on the land ain't happy It's hard cause they in the bowl But fish in the bowl is lucky They in for a worse fate One day when the boss get hungry Guess who's gone beyond the plate But no, under the sea Under the sea Nobody beat us, try us, and eat us in fricassee. We want the land folks not to cook. Under the sea, we have to hook up. We got no trouble. Under the sea. Under the sea. Woo! People of the internet. Let's talk about some rich fucking idiots. So, as I'm, as I'm recording this, it's 627. Uh, 2023 so it is june 27th uh, and apparently we've learned a lesson don't go searching for the titanic the people of the internet this is the most <sighs> arrogant example of we should when we can but we shouldn't it's very Jurassic Park. This reminds me of, uh, I think it was Ian Malcolm's line of, we spent so much time figuring out if, if, if we could that we never stopped to think if we should or ask ourselves if we should. Uh, many of you are already familiar with the Titan submarine uh, that went missing and eventually imploded searching for the Titanic, the remains of the Titanic, um, just to get a fucking look at the Titanic. I don't know. Uh, but I wanted to take a look and make sure I fully understood this. So uh, first thing I looked up is the company involved. The company involved is, is OceanGate. So OceanGate Incorporated is an American privately owned company in Everett, Washington that provides crude submersibles for tourism industry research and exploration. Uh, so essentially a company that will, will take you underwater and show you stuff. So let's look at the Wikipedia for ocean gate. So ocean gates, uh, company was founded in 2009 by Stockton rush and Guillermo Sonline. Uh, the company acquired a submersible vessel, Antipodes and later built two of its own Cyclops one and Titan in 2021. So they just built the Titan in 2021. Ocean gate began taking paying tourists in the Titan to visit the wreck of the Titanic as of 2022. So there's your first fucking problem to visit the wreck of the Titanic. I'm pretty fucking sure in that movie they sank because they were in really shitty water and they were where they weren't supposed to be. And, and there's icebergs and all of those things, but what says that it's a good idea to, I'm going to go to the place that the biggest boat sank. So they went to visit the wreck of the Titanic as of 2002, or I'm sorry, as of 2022, the price to be a passenger on an ocean gate expedition to the Titanic shipwreck was $250,000 a person. So these people paid a quarter of a million dollars to get in a fucking tin can. And I hate to say it, they fucking died. So on June 18th, 2023, Titan exploded during a vo imploded during a voyage to the Titanic shipwreck, killing all five occupants on board, including Rush. 
So Stockton Rush was the guy that ran it. Uh, let's see. In 2019, Rush expressed the view that the Passenger Vessel Safety Act of 1993 needlessly prioritized passenger safety over commercial innovation. Hold on. Needlessly prioritized passenger safety over commercial innovation. You are putting safety in front of me making money. Commercial innovation. That's commercial innovation. He's not saying in front of you're putting safety in front of me figuring out nuclear fission or how to feed the homeless. No, commercial innovation. You are putting safety in front of me making money with my new fucking dumb ideas. Needlessly prioritizing passenger safety over commercial. That fucking drive. That is insane. That was in 2019. So the the Passenger Vessel Act. Uh, Okay, so he believed this industry had been held back by two principal factors. Submersibles having an unwarranted reputation as dangerous vehicles due to their use as ferries for commercial divers and rigid government regulations. Wow. So everybody says this stuff's unsafe and I want to go or everybody says that they're dangerous and I don't want people to tell, tell me what to do. I don't want rules. Um, he later commissioned a marketing study commission. So he paid for a study which concluded there was sufficient demand for underwater ocean tourism which would in turn support the development of new deep diving submersibles that would enable lucrative commercial venture, including resource mining and disaster mitigation. Uh, The underwater tourism, blah, 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 began in 1986. So more than 2 million passengers have collectively paid over $150 million to ride underwater in submersibles. Uh, it says, though, although these were generally operated in shallow depths. So, ba, 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 ba. So, in 2009 to 2013, they took people in a boat called the Antipodes off the coast of Catalina. Uh, they found a boat that sunk in the Puget Sound in 2011. And they actually worked with the Miami-Dade Artificial Reefs Program in 2012. Uh, 2013 to 16, they built something called the Cyclops, another boat, another submarine. Uh, And then they expanded the fleet in 2016. And then they started planning the dive to the Titanic. Uh, 2021, they conducted its first dive to the Titanic aboard its submersible Titan. Uh, On June 23rd, 2023, Titan imploded, killing all five occupants, including CEO Stockton Rush. Uh, Upon the news of the fate, the, the company closed its Everett office indefinitely. So the guy who wanted the rules gone died... And then they're like, oh, we're not going to do this anymore. Okay. So, I mean, it's tragedy. People are dead. Five people imploded. Holy fucking shit. I can't imagine. You you, you reverse exploded. Uh, but also there's a big aspect of this that is ridiculous. You can go online and see that the, there was like a, a PlayStation controller at some part of it that was like part of the, the build of it. Uh, there's things online and Twitter and comments I've heard about uh, experts talking about the, the materials not being safe for the fact that those materials did so many dives. Uh, back to the fact, really, at the end of this, I keep coming back to the fact that this was a guy that this was a guy who didn't want regulation and didn't want 
to be told how to do it. So honestly, people didn't know that's what fucking happens. Let's take a look at this timeline. So on June 18th, the 21 foot sealed craft named Titan submerged at 8 a.m. Uh, five people on board and a 96 hour oxygen supply. An hour and 45 minutes later, the sealed craft lost contact with its operator. The shit was in the fucking water for an hour and 45 minutes and lost contact. Holy shit. At 5.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, received a report of an overdue. So the Coast Guard was informed at 5.40 at night. Uh, it was supposed to resurface at 3 p.m. So it was supposed to go down from, let's see, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. So it was supposed to go down for about seven hours. Uh, it has a 96-hour oxygen supply. Okay. So they took it down for seven hours. That was the goal or the time. Uh, the United States Coast Guard received a report and then... On Monday the 19th, because it didn't resurface at 3 p.m. on the 18th like it was supposed to, the U.S. Coast Guard, in coordination with the Canadian Coast Guard and Canadian Armed Forces, conducted a surface search for the missing submersible using various aircraft, including one with underwater sonar capability. So on Monday, they started the search. Uh, As of 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday, June 20th, Crews and multiple aircraft flow over the area, uh, roughly about the size of Connecticut, looking for any signs of the resurfacing. Uh, They sent in a research vessel. There were reports of banging that were picked up by sonar in the search area sometime in the morning, but nothing has been found. Uh, The National... The Air National Guard arrived at 4 p.m. on the 20th to get involved. Wednesday the 21st, uh, the U.S. Coast Guard announced via Twitter that a Canadian aircraft with sonar capabilities has detected underwater noises in the search area. Uh, Data on the noises was sent to the United States Navy to be examined. Uh, At the time, the U.S. Navy had not yet contacted or contracted a ship for the system known as Flyaway Deep Ocean Salvage System. Uh, once the ship is contracted, okay, so they were trying to bring a portable crane system in to bring things up from as deep as 20,000 feet. It was waiting to be welded onto a chartered ship to take it to the search area. Wow. Okay, so on Thursday, June 22nd, Uh, Let's see, a remotely operated vehicle at 6.56 a.m. was deployed by the Canadian vessel, the Horizon Arctic. Uh, It reached the seafloor, beginning its search for the submersible. Uh, And at this time, at Thursday, June 22nd, they were judging that the oxygen was going to run out by the morning. Jesus Christ. So... They're searching for them, basically saying, yo, in the morning, they're out of air. Uh, Five major pieces. Okay, so during a press conference at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, the U.S. Coast Guard announced that the ROV had located the tail cone of the submersible about 1,600 feet from the bow of the wrecked Titanic. Uh, Additional debris found was consistent with the catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber. Uh, the families were immediately notified. So they discovered at about 3 p.m. on the 22nd that their friends and family have imploded. Uh, let's see. And then around 6 p.m. that day, they verified that these sounds were likely from the implosion. Um, and then some of the banging noises... We're not that, we're, but we're from biological noises or noises associated with the surface response vessels. Hmm. So, what we've learned here, people of the internet, is, I don't, 
Leave the fucking Titanic alone? I don't fucking know. The lesson is don't be a rich idiot. This guy's went down and paid $250,000 to get in a boat by some dude he didn't believe in regulations. They said, I don't care that this guy is literally known for fighting the regulation company and saying, eh, it doesn't have to be that safe. People are focused too much on safety. If you say that, you shouldn't be allowed to build a thing that takes people places. Like, you shouldn't be allowed to make a car, a fucking plane, or a boat that goes down to the fucking bottom of the ocean where the fucking biggest boat in history for the biggest sinking in history fucking happened. I hate to say it. Fucking, what's this guy's name? Stockton Dickhead? Hold on, what's his name? Stockton Rush. Well, everyone else, sorry. You got taken for by a fucking rich idiot. Stockton Rush. Rest in piss, dude. You took a bunch of people's money and you got them fucking imploded because you didn't believe in regulations. <laughs> people on the internet I'm probably going to hell for that one so that being said this week's cocktail is a really easy one a really quick one but man this is gonna it's gonna get you going uh, this week we are going to be making the titan submarine cocktail uh, what is the Titan submarine cocktail? This is a play on the U-boat. So if you've ever heard of a U-boat cocktail, the U-boat, based off of the, the German U-boat, the uh, Unterseeboot, which is the German boat, uh, this is a cocktail that's a beer cocktail. You're essentially using a glass of beer and dropping a shot of vodka into it. That's a U-boat cocktail. And then you drink it all at once. It's called a U-boat because the shot glass drops to the bottom. When you drink the drink, the shot glass is revealed and rises back to the top and surfaces. Uh, similar to an Irish car bomb or any of those other bomb-style cocktails uh, where, where you've dropped uh, a shot of liquor into a glass of booze and slammed it. Uh, some places call them bombers, slammers all over all different kinds of terms uh but we're going to call this the titan submarine for ours we're going to be using bear walker 
This is the beer that we're using. This is in the Jackalope Brewing Company out of Tennessee, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. This is Jackalope Brewing Bear Walker. This is an ale brewed with maple syrup, clocking it at 5.1%. Definitely check out on Instagram. I'll post uh, pictures of the cocktail, the beer can, tag them. That way you can find out where to pick this beer up. Uh, we're keeping it super fucking Tennessee. When I said Titan Submarine, my brain just kind of went towards Tennessee. I just went on vacation in Gatlinburg, so I figured why the fuck not. So for our liquor, our vodka, we're actually using Old Smoky Mountain Java. Uh, this is their coffee cream liqueur. This is clocking in at 35 proof. It's lower proof alcohol. Uh so lower proof booze we're not using straight whiskey you could totally do that if you want uh, i debated on using a coffee whiskey but when i thought about it it just didn't feel like it would give me that same vibe I, i've got a, a male uh, or a male a maple ale and i've got coffee moonshine old smoky moonshine so i figure those those uh flavors are going to play really well together so what we're going to do, we're going to drop the shot in the glass uh, and then slam the whole thing. I've only got the glass of beer, the pint glass filled about a little over halfway. I'd say three-fifths, not three-quarters. I'd say it's about three-fifths full. Uh, I'm going to drop the shot glass of Old Smoky Mountain Java into the beer, let it settle, and then drink the whole thing. Uh, I'm going to drink it all in one shot. You're going to hear this going. People on the internet, when I drop this shot and and slam this drink, we're going to call it a week here on getting worked and getting worked with Mike. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening this week. Once again, like, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you go to Apple, Spotify, wherever, even if you go to gettingworked.com, love having you here every single week. Thank you. Once again, my name's Mike. You can follow me on Twitter at Getting Worked. Follow me on Instagram at that dude named Mike. Every Thursday night, I'm on twitch.tv slash getting worked for Thirsty Thursdays. Make sure you follow me there. This shot of moonshine's about to go in this beer. This is our Titan submarine cocktail based on a U-boat. I'm going to drop this shot in here, slam this drink. I'm Mike. I'll see you guys. Oh, God, smell it. Oh. First G, of course. Driving in your car, getting worked. Slacking at your job, getting worked. At the DMV, getting worked. In the VIP, getting worked. Out, getting worked. Getting worked. Get, getting worked. Getting worked. Getting worked. Get, getting worked. Getting worked. Getting worked. Get, getting worked. Getting worked. Getting worked. Get, getting worked.